Space Love Show for the love of music, lifestyle, well-being and culture while caring for our planet. On this show, I will be chatting with musicians, artists and creative minds that are living life on purpose by doing what they love. My beautiful friend Beata Al Fordi <laughs> to One Space Love. <laughs> okay, well, you have to have fun on this show. How are you going? <laughs> I'm really, really good, Stephanie. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show, darling. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for saying yes. Um, Beata, you're in Poland at the moment. Let's just I start am. there to give some perspective to everyone that we're talking over Zoom. <laughs> Yes, yeah. we're speaking over Zoom. I'm in Poland, in Warsaw, Poland, oh, Poland. at the moment. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I I absolutely love Europe and you will understand this coming from a European background that's very similar to mine as well, Steph, you know, Hungarian. Mm. Well, you're Hungarian Greek, but I'm I'm full I'm full Hungarian. So uh yeah. I, I love being back in Europe and uh, I'm actually moving back to Europe next year. Fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. Well, let's go in by, could you finish the statement, I am, and introduce yourself to all the listeners for me? I am a medicine woman, a shamanic practitioner, mm-hmm. keynote speaker, seer, healer, and a catalyst for deep transformation in people's lives. Yeah, you definitely are. I've had the pleasure of having you um, run events in One Space mm-hmm. HQ and being very familiar with One Space and supporting it along its journey. And I personally have been to see you one-on-one as a client and you definitely made ripple effects in my life. So it's beautiful to have this deep chat with you today. Thank oh, you. <laughs> thank you so much, beautiful lady, you know. Yeah. Um, you're you're a powerhouse and, uh, of course, um, it's always such an honour for me to see people go through such deep transformations and then like as you have and then reclaim your life and and change direction and really continue to step in and step up and and as you're mm. doing and you've always done, you offer such an amazing space for the community to come together, whether that's uh, over the airwaves as we're doing now or, in fact, creating beautiful environments for people to actually gather, which which I think is so important right now, whether it's over Zoom or um, radio, however it is, right now, more than ever, our communities are becoming more and more important. Yeah, well said, and thank you for, for acknowledging that. Mm. <laughs> Oh, I want to. I want to go back because we both shared that heritage. Um, we we found that we gave each other a big hug when we when we realised that back in the day. Yes. Take me back to growing up for you because you don't just become a medicine woman. You've been through some incredible um, points along your path, and just I mean, reading your your you know what you have on your website that people can read. I mean, let's just go a bit deeper into that to grow up and having to escape to go to Italy. 
Mm. Can, we, can you take us back to just a little bit of a, a glimpse of that, you well, know, where the points got you? Yeah. Well, um, I have to say that I, I have to credit my mother and father. I was only six months old when my parents yeah. escaped from Hungary. Back then it was communist. I don't think Hungary came out of communism <laughs> until the late 80s, like most of Europe. But uh, I know that they didn't. They couldn't tell any of their family members. My mum was only like 22, 23. My dad was 24, 25. My mother was also pregnant with my brother. So, or 22, 23. So can you imagine these people not knowing anybody, not knowing the language, uh, getting on a train to go to Croatia and then running at night holding me in a bassinet, mm. making sure that I was asleep before they ran across the border from Croatia all the way to Italy. Um, had they got caught, it would have been so dangerous. Um, they both would have ended up in prison or worse. But then we ended up being refugees in in. Italy for six months and my mum really loved the idea of Australia so they both came to Australia with absolutely nothing Ah. not knowing anybody not speaking the language um, and obviously very very difficult for both of them they had a very difficult marriage Um, so they divorced when Mm. I was very very young and I won't go into the details of all of that because you know it was just a horrible time for everybody and basically, I grew up with a single in a single parent family with my mum, who worked two jobs. Grew up in housing mm. trust. We never had any money, um, but we had the best of everything that she could afford us because she worked uh, in the fact in a factory during the day and as a waitress at night. So, mm. I guess my brother and I didn't really understand at that time why we hardly ever saw her. But as an as an older person now, she's in spirit. She passed away in 2014. I so understand much more of her journey and have such deep respect. Mm-hmm. She's probably the strongest person I've ever met in my life, and will probably mm. ever meet. And I guess it's through the courage of my parents that I really, from a very young age. But my mother was very spiritual. Um, I started reading spiritual books from about the age of eight. I was reading Adlos Castaneda when I was about 10. And so my spiritual path just kept on deepening. You know, I ended up uh, starting dance when I was four. I became a professional dancer when I was 18 um, and and continued to dance all over the world in London's West End. At about the age of 32, I um, was choreographing and directing an enormous pop concert in Asia in Hong Kong and I realised that I didn't want to continue that path. And um, and then I went into a deep yoga practice, became a yoga teacher, created my own style of yoga um, uh, and had a very successful school and then from there the world of shamanism and different cultures that were working with plant medicines, entheogens that could really support one in the evolution of consciousness started to call to me at about um, the age of 37. 
So I've been walking this path very, very deeply. You know, I lost my son in the process of a three-day labour when he was full-term in 2011. Yes, I wanted to go to that because grief, you know, I can empathise with you, is a big one of awakening. Yeah. And so that was probably my biggest wake-up call in 2011 when I lost Alakai. Um, And then two weeks after that, I found out my mother was terminally ill and then my my dear friend who was my husband at the time, Tom, it was just too much for us. So we ended up divorcing. But Alakai uh, continues to be such a potent and profound teacher for me, my son. And I was just thinking mm. today, you know, he would be 10 this year, in this month, on the 26th of August, and I thought everything I just got that I do, <laughs> yeah, I everything that I do, everything that, yeah. that I share, I share in the space of if he was alive, which of course his soul is, if he was alive in the physical, how would I continue to share my work, stand up for my beliefs and not be afraid to to go against the the, um, the grain, as it were, because everything that I yeah. do is really for the children. It's for the the future generations that are coming, and uh, and so this is why I always say to people: this is not a time for us to be afraid to share and to express our truth, whatever that is. Those who will resonate with you will be with you. Those who won't, that's absolutely their prerogative and I have no judgment on people's right to choose anything. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I really, my highest value is freedom and this is what I keep sharing in all of my work um, in terms of empowering the individual to come back to their own sovereignty as well as Mm. understanding our deep connection to the earth and to, to God, goddess, divine, universe, whatever someone wants to call it. So so that's really me in a nutshell, but definitely the loss of my son was the biggest catalyst for my transformation. And now that I've grieved um, and, and, and I'm talking, I grieved and grieved and grieved for many years, and it's not that I don't feel grief and deep grief sometimes, but I've come to a place of um, uh, the blessings are greater than the grief, and I'm so and I'm so happy that I'm. That's in that an interesting, space. yeah. Because I mean, grief comes a lot up on these chats. A lot of people that I interview, you know, have moved through grief, and it's one thing to understand grief, but it's one thing to be stuck in it, yes, and to stay in victimhood. And there's Absolutely. another thing of what you're talking about. So what do you, because I want to move forward into what you're doing now, but just what do you, you know, your mother was a big influence on you yes. and, and very much um, gave you that, um, you know, breath of spirituality mm-hmm. and understanding um, her strength and all that. Were, were there other people along the way when you were in dance that, that gave you some oh. openings to start to see? Is there anyone particular that stood out along the path that you can mention uh, as well? I would yeah. say my old ballet teachers, Jacqueline Benet and Jack Floyd, were some of the biggest influences on my life as a child because... <laughs> Um, they really saw my potential. They really uh, supported me and my family. Um, 
obviously my mum being a single mum didn't have a lot of money. So I received a lot of scholarships from them. They were able to really cultivate not only me as an individual, as a young person, but as as a professional dancer. So Mm -hmm. they were a huge support. My godmother, Annette Cooney, who's still in Australia in in Adelaide, because I grew up in Adelaide, was a huge support. Yeah, so um, there were a lot of people, those two people, obviously my dad, who's still I'm very close to, he's also living in Mexico at the moment okay. and, and I will be back in Mexico next month. So my father was a was obviously a great support as well. Um, so they're, they're, those are the, I would say, the key people. Is anyone else? And obviously the friendships that I met along the way um, have been wonderful and some of those friends are still in my life, which is great. Because you had such an incredible perspective to get through those big, you know, piles that were, were brought upon you, your mother, um, your ex-husband, your your or your your best friend, as you I loved how you put it as your best friend. That's a really beautiful them, way yes. to say it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or one of your one of your male best friends. Um, but that you came to part and and then you know also having your son go over to to spirit. So it's an incredible way that you went through that. And I'm just you know trying to un- help others understand what was it. Do you think you you came in with that perspective, or do you think you were able to? Um, I think that people, and I was having a chat with a friend this morning who's in Australia and I, I'm sending you all so much love. I know that half of Australia is in lockdown at the moment. Um, I am in a very tight lockdown here yes, in Sydney, five kilometres. Yes. Yeah, I'm sending <laughs> yeah. you all so much love. Um, Thank you, yeah. I, I want to, sh- I, I want, and I said something to my friend this morning. Um, I said to her, you know, most most of us in Australia haven't known serious hardship or lock or, or um, having to fight for rights because we've been the lucky country. We've been, you know, coined the lucky country. We've all had most of us have had access to education, uh, food, shelter. All of us, most of us, uh, come from very privileged background. So I say to people, this is probably the first time in Australia that people have really started to experience what it is to be kind of backed into a corner where there's a lot of different opinions, a lot of different truths coming out, uh, a lot of truths that are being hidden. And so this is really going to test people around, well, you've done all this personal work but now you're actually, you have an opportunity to put this into practice. And it's one thing to intellectualize spirituality and personal growth, as you know, Steph. It's another thing, as you know, as you're aware, having walked your path as well, to actually really go through hardship and navigate it with grace, to navigate it with that knowing that everything is just a cycle and we will get through this. Um And I always say to people, um, grief is something that at some point in life we will all go through. But but to get stuck in a process of grief uh, is a choice. And, And it really is a choice because people can get addicted to anything. And we can also get addicted to our stories. We can get addicted to becoming the victim. 
Um, and the deep question I always say to people is, but then what is your payoff for remaining in that space? What is that part of you that is getting something out of being the victim, getting out of this? Whether it's accolades, whether it's sympathy, whether you don't want to really move on with your life and this is an unconscious excuse to stay there, but 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 long-held uh, emotions that do not shift an individual from one space to another is is a choice. Grief, grief is not a choice. Grief happens after something seemingly tragic happens to all of us. But to stay stuck in that emotion and not move forward is definitely a choice. So I always say to people, have the courage to go and seek help. It doesn't mean you're broken. It means that you can see that something is going on that you cannot help yourself discover. Or to, to recover from. I it took me so long to recover and to to work my way through grief. But I truly do not believe that our physical bodies are the end of our life. And my connection with Alakai, my son, has only become stronger and stronger and stronger. Yes, the human aspect of me, of course, grieved not being able to be a mother and hold him mm. for longer than a week and have to bury my own mm. son. I never thought I'd. I'd ever have to do that um but I would be a hypocrite if I would say that after everything that I've gone through and everything that I teach in my work if I also didn't believe that this is something that myself and my my ex-husband believes this as well Tom Alakai myself did not choose as part of our soul's growth uh, as part of our soul family which we are and mm. um so it's given me so much more than I could ever share. But I am writing a book and it's been a very, very long process and I realise now okay. uh, that I had to heal to be able to write this from a place where I could really hopefully benefit others who have gone through this type of grief or any grief to be able to support them in, in, in their own recovery. And to not get stuck in the story, um, it, you know, it, it's. I know it's challenging, and I have so much compassion. But, but we are alive, and yeah, there is so much to be grateful for. Mm. That's. What I mean, that's one of my favorite things to say to people: is you know, don't get stuck in the story. No, the story doesn't define you. You know, no, yeah. and I love that absolutely. Mm. The story. Mm. It doesn't define us, but what have we learned from that experience? How has it changed our lives? How have we grown? And then also, how can we start to look at giving back to the community, which you know you're so great at, and and I Thank am, uh, and, and I continue to work with as well. It's like for me, it's always now: what can I offer the world, really, that can support our evolution? Because that is. It is critical right now, um, this this evolution of consciousness, which actually nothing can stop. <laughs> There's a scenario yeah, of us. What is the, you know, we talk about the divine feminine being more powerful at the moment. Do you have something to share on the divine feminine for this time we're, we're moving through? Or how would you describe it? Yes, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I think mothers, all of us as women, 
uh, hold the creative principle within us, which means Mm -hmm. that we are the creators of life. We give birth to life. And in that, I, I see collectively, globally, the aspect of the fierce, empowered feminine who wants to protect the rights of her children and her grandchildren and all of those that are coming forward um, to protect their right to freedom of choice. Because at the end of the day, (laughs) we've got to remember that our Western societies are built on the principle of democracy. Mm. Democracy, if I'm not wrong, means freedom to choose not only what we uh, would like to have or place into our bodies but how we would like to live our lives and most importantly um, to be able to protect the rights of our families and the choices that we make as parents for our families and mm-hmm. um, to know that those that those rights are absolutely aligned with our values. It's not about pro this or pro that I see it as a much bigger picture Steph and really what's going on now is is a um our fight for freedom and Mm -hmm. everything that means uh and everything that means for each individual and that means that I will support anyone in their choice to make an informed decision for themselves and their families I will protect your right and this person's right to make any choice that they wish, but I certainly cannot support anything that takes away rights or penalises certain members of the community for making different choices. That is not a democracy. And as I've shared in many of my posts, those newer countries, Australia is one of them, UK, America, Canada, these these people that have migrated to these countries, um, and as we go back to what I shared at the beginning, they don't know what communism is. They don't know what it is to to grow up behind an iron curtain, and what it is uh, this this idea of you don't have any rights. And so, you know, we have to be very, very careful what we acquiesce to, what we say yes to, because in everything that we say yes to, we're making an agreement that is either going to collectively bring us more freedom or collectively move us towards a system that is very, very controlled and creating more separation. And that's certainly not where I'm at. I'm I'm really about pro-freedom of choice. And, you know, I've seen so many people lately saying, oh, that's that's from a space of privilege. And it's no, no, it's not. I'm a sovereign being and so are you. And this is our birthright. And I'm very, very clear on that. And we're connected to Mother Nature, aren't we? Absolutely. Which is, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I always say we we need to be aware of where information is coming from and we can always trace where information is coming from and who is backing whom when we look at the money. Where is the money coming from? You know, it's like the gun lobbyists in the States. <laughs> you know, the reason, one of the reasons why the gun laws are still viable in the States is because they've got so much money and so much money is being given to the governments 
they're not going to say no to the gun laws when the governments are being backed by those very people. So we need to be very, very uh, intelligent. We need to see beyond what we're just being spoon-fed and realise that the media is really owned by three or four global companies in the world. So um, I, I always say to people, be open. Don't don't just dismiss something because it goes against what you what you may think, and mm. you know really at the end of the day, whatever you choose, we should all be choosing the right, the freedom to choose what we want for ourselves and our families. Yeah, that's that's the bottom line for me, and I will and I will speak about it till the day I'm no longer here. Too many of my parents and grandparents went through concentration camps for me now to remain silent on issues that are of value. You know, mm-hmm. you know, my grandfather had no, to eat grass in a soup for six months in a in a concentration camp uh, in Russia. Uh, what am I going to sit there and now be quiet because? because Mavis doesn't agree with my views or Betsy or whoever. I, I just don't care. The people that are in, mm. that are aligned with me are aligned with me and I know who I am. And more importantly, mm. darling, I love who I am and that's the most <laughs> important thing. <laughs> I love who you are. I love you too. <laughs> How did you get to, let's talk about love, because love is the single most powerful force in the universe, yes. is something that you've quoted. How did you get to love yourself? Like, what do you, oh. what, where did you, yeah, like, <laughs> what a journey, it's right? taken me some time, but I'm, I'm getting to a point of self, self love, you know, just absolutely loving my sense of humor, my goofiness, and my, <laughs> you know, I'm quite goofy. Sometimes my son says, Mom, you look so old. And I just laugh because I go, okay, you know, it's like, <laughs> By the way, you don't. You look absolutely stunning. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Gosh, love, it's love, okay. love kids are the best. Um, yeah. How did I get That's to usually point? first thing in the morning, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but do you remember that 20-year-olds yeah. used to look old to us when we were like yeah, eight yeah, or yeah. ten, you know? Yeah. How did yeah. it? I think it's a process and and for anyone, yeah. especially women, given all the uh, the beauty magazines and the touched-up photographs and the Instagram celebrities, it's a continued process, isn't it, of realising that self-love has got nothing to do with um, how we look or how we are perceived outside but actually everything to do with how we feel. And, gosh, it's been a lot. You can imagine I was in the entertainment industry for so long. It was all about how skinny you are, Mm. uh, you know, and, and most of us that have been dancers have gone through anorexia, as did as I did when I was very young, you when did? I was about yep. 12. I had anorexia mm. and that was when it was very, very much, um, there was such a focus on, at that age, there is such a focus on how others look, uh, especially as, as a dancer. Um, that was something that I really had to psychologically obviously work through but, you know, it, it was a process and the more work that I've done on myself and worked with others because you always teach what you need to learn, the more and more I've really come into that space of trusting who I am and really accepting who I am, all my faults, all my beauty, all my yeah. craziness, my quirky sense of humour, all of it. <laughs> I mean, I am now my biggest 
support system, you know, even simple things like when I'm driving around in Europe and I don't know where I'm going at all and I finally get to the place because goodness knows I was able to read this map correctly, (laughs) I'm always like, well done, you've done it, you can do this. Yeah, yeah. And what that makes me is highly independent and mm. it means that I don't seek the approval for, of anybody. And, and I think unless we get to that space, and look, I'm 51 now, Steph, so I'm not mm. a young woman anymore. I still feel young, but I'm not in that space of, of having to be liked. And I think if we seeking can all Seeking approval. Yeah. Seeking approval. Mm. Like I, I would say mm. to everyone who's listening, if you can get beyond the need to seek approval for anyone, you're going to find your freedom. You are also going to find your authentic voice. Yes. Mm. And that's important that. right now. Mm. Really. I mean, and, it's a very interesting time, isn't it? I mean, we're, yes. we're completely isolated here in Sydney and, and so is the rest of the world experiences. I mean, we're not, we're like catching up to everyone. Um the way I was going with that, you know, my, my kids again were saying, you know, are you lonely? Because I'm constantly by myself. And I and I said, no, I'm actually really at peace at the moment. Like I'm really at peace with my own company. And I think when you get to that point, you know, there's a real, um, yeah, I was just extending on what you're saying. There's yes. a real sense of um, well, contentment. Yeah, and peace. I, I think yeah. you named you you nailed it on the head. You know, people always think yeah. you know that that happiness is their highest vibration, but happiness and joy come from that space of inner peace. And as yeah. you said, it's you know, I saw this wonderful quote the other day, you know, that enlightenment is actually nothing but the absolute acceptance of every moment just as it is just yeah. as it is and and this is exactly what you're sharing you know right now currently in australia you are in a lockdown you know that that's not going to last forever so rather than complaining about it or or looking at all the negative things about it what can we do like last year when i was living in mexico and i will be going back to mexico i spent the good a good year basically on my own. I'd just gone through a separation and I was really thinking about whether I come back to Australia or stay in Mexico. And I'm so glad that I stayed in Mexico and followed my intuition. I developed an entirely new program, my accredited shamanic practitioner training. I wrote a booklet about that. It really ignited my creative process because I thought I can either sit here in self-pity and go, I've just separated from somebody who I thought I'd be spending the rest of my life with Mm. and I'm in a country that I don't speak the language, I don't have a home, what am I going to do? Or as I always do, I turn it around and I go, how can I make the best of this situation that I found myself in? Do I trust life? Is life working for me? Yes. Well, then put your big girl pants on, girlfriend, I said to myself, <laughs> and keep moving forward. <laughs> I had exactly this conversation with a friend on the phone in Byron. They were like, and how are you coping? I said, well, you know, I've just turned everything around. I'm looking at this as an opportunity rather than yes. a challenge, you know, and it's it's actually you know I did have a little bit of a moment of anger in the beginning because I felt really restricted and I was frustrated why am I here why am I not near the ocean you know but 
you move through it and it's mm. it's about that you know even with grief it's about just okay moving through it and and letting go of the story <laughs> yes. comes back to and that I, doesn't and, it yeah yes and I think it's really important as you know I always say to people there's there's a process of of transforming anything and the first aspect of that is actually to acknowledge what we're feeling because most of us don't allow ourselves to feel we live in a culture that says you've got to put on a brave face well actually sometimes we need to put on our granny pajamas get out some netflix put get ourselves back into bed and just feel and heal and grieve and distract ourselves to not blame others for what we're feeling take responsibility and then find the gold in the dark nights because there is always gold in our journeys we just need to find it love that you said that because the the biggest point in this lockdown for me because it's been almost two months is to recognize what feelings are arising yes and and I notice when I recognize them I'm able to yeah, I write and I move through it. I have a process of moving through it. And that's what's helped me get to the other other stage, you know? That's exactly that right. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. unfelt grief or rage or anything becomes locked in our bodies. And this is where a lot of dis-ease, as you know, shows up, a lot of inflammation, a lot of all sorts of health problems. So, you know, I always say to feel is to heal. And let's continue to allow ourselves to have those days where we don't we don't feel good and we don't say, hey, yes, I'm great. It's like, actually, today I'm not doing so well, but that's okay. I'm going to yeah. allow myself to go through this. I'll have a bath. I know how to look after myself when I'm grieving. I know exactly what I do. I, I go back into bed. I'll stay in bed. And for me, it's usually rest and sleeping. And I just yeah. do it without any guilt. And then I wake up and I'm like, hey, I'm actually feeling better. I know I'm mm. in a deep process and I know that I will get through this. Everything is just a cycle. Every beginning is an ending. Mm. Every ending is a new beginning, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> so beautiful. I want to share a little bit with the listeners because you've worked with some incredible Indigenous elders and along your way can you touch on a little bit for us how you got to walk the path as a medicine woman I know (laughs) it's a big question wow well I I um started uh, a diploma of shamanic and and energetic healing in Sydney Australia it was the uh, earth institute but is now the awareness institute where when it first began which really was an amazing amazing program but then in 2007 with my then teacher at the time I traveled to Peru and attended the I think it was the fourth international Amazonian and shamanism conference and people from all over the world for that were there and it really really opened my eyes to the world of plant medicine and entheogens ayahuasca wachuma um all sorts of uh, extraordinary practices and I continued to and, and have continued to travel to Peru to keep on learning and keep on training mm-hmm. and keep on um, cultivating my own wisdom and my own relationship with 
the natural world, as well as various teachers. I never say that I've only had one teacher because I believe that life is the teacher. Everyone I meet Mm. teaches me so much. And I'm also not one of those people that will follow one specific lineage because, as I've shared many times before, I walk the path of the pathless. So I will take or what I sh- uh, whatever I'm offered in any space, whether it's from an Andean, a Quiero from the Andes or from, uh, I would say, a Wichol brother or sister from Mexico or the Mayan cultures there in Mexico, I will receive what I receive from these people and make it into something that is authentic to me so that I can feel aligned with what I am sharing from that culture and from my European heritage as well. Because I always say to people, let's not forget that uh, the Europeans, we have a very, very strong earth-centered shamanic lineage and heritage. And so I will never give my power away to any culture or any person because I, in that mm-hmm. I believe we all have something extraordinary to rediscover about ourselves and about our own lineage and, uh, and our own wisdom practices and earth-centered practices. Mm. Beautifully said. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank wow. You. What are you working on at the moment now? You've got your... You've got a retreat happening at the moment coming up? I've just finished a a beautiful retreat here in Poland. I've got some more work this coming weekend, some some ceremonies, and then I'm going to Portugal. I've got a women's uh, medicine retreat with San Pedro, Wachuma, and I've got all sorts of ceremonies. And I'm also... um, obviously going to be looking for a home for next year because my plan in the next couple of years is to open a retreat centre and to to live and work on that land and invite community. So that's my my big Mm. project and obviously this book that I'm writing at the moment, which is called Back from the Edge of the Unthinkable, Seven, Mm. Seven Key Practices for Transforming Grief. Fantastic. So that's and how's that I'm going? Yeah. Well, it's yeah, how going, are you going with that? slowly yeah. at the moment because my my work with people is taking precedence. So I'm going to really be deepening into that into that book when I get back to Mexico in September. So mm. that's very, very exciting. And I've also got my accredited shamanic practitioner training happening in Cancun in Mexico yes. in November, as well as another medicine retreat for women. So I'm so grateful that I am being continued to be supported by the people that that see and acknowledge my work because I always say without people coming to work with me or trusting in the work, I, I wouldn't be doing what I love to do. And, and yeah. uh, I hope to be doing this to the day I'm no longer here. I hope. I, I, I believe you are definitely a soul doing what they love to do <laughs> and walking your truth. I was going to ask, what is your daily practice? Do you have a particular routine that you keep to or or does it vary for you? It varies, definitely. I'm a Cancerian. I mean, uh, one of my morning practices is, thank goodness, in Mexico I live in a place that is, I've got a lot of nature around me. So usually I'll go for a walk for an hour every morning. I'll listen to either an inspirational podcast or really inspirational music. 
and I'll just connect with the nature around me, connect with uh, any messages that I'm receiving in the morning. I I think a lot of us are receiving a, a lot more messages right now. And, uh, you know, keep myself aligned with my highest vibrational state every day. That's the most important thing that I want to say to everyone, how important we all are, each one of us, in supporting this particular transition that we are going through. And the most important thing that we can do um, is to keep our own mental, emotional and physical space in a high vibration as possible because it's through our vibrations that we change the world, that we can affect real change, even from our own homes. So please don't... So for those of us that that are quite restrained, what what is something that you would suggest we could do to help raise our vibrations without going to see someone like yourself? I would go for a walk get out of the house every single day, every morning. I would be listening to um, good podcasts, high vibrational content, good music, and just remember, you know, it's like most people in Australia are receiving support at this time. Know that you're going to be okay know that you will get through this you can either get through this in a terrible way which is complaining and and not getting on with things that are important which is just routine cook for yourselves learn some new things learn a new recipe challenge yourself every day you know I remember when I was in lockdown last year I challenged myself with a new recipe every day and I just cooked it simple things like preparing food cooking uh, you know I always lit candles in the house I always had good music you know it made me appreciate the simple things the simple things routine I believe is very very important when we are in a lockdown state because it's through the routine getting up making sure you have a shower you know, it sounds crazy, but some people forget all about that, that that's important to make yourself feel good. And Isn't it? It's so simple. But it, so it's so simple. I say, to my, I say to people, just get up, have a shower, you know, every now and then blow dry your hair. It, even if it's just you around the house, it just actually is that, is that act, that, that ritual. Yeah. And I also say uh, it's good to keep a, a, a journal because one day mm-hmm. your children or grandchildren you can share with them about this particular time that we're all going through. And, you know, it's going to be something that you may wish to share one day and say, hey, this is what I went through during this time. Imagine if we saw more journals of people that went through war or, you know, that went through all sorts of other things because it can give others inspiration for when they're going through a tough time. And also it allows one to process any emotions. Again, uh, things like journaling, especially when you're in lockdown, are great self-reflective tools. But routine is key. Cooking food, yeah. getting back to basics is key. Yeah. Have you? Are you feeling hope for moving through Absolutely. this transition? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. Absolutely, darling. I, I know that we are going to get through this. Um, I knew that this was coming up before we were even informed of, of all of this. I just didn't know how it would manifest. 
And this is a part of a transition of, of enormous global awakening, even though people may not feel that that is what is happening. But for any old system to, to be removed, there needs to be a time of, of readjustment and there needs to be a dying of the old before the new can really be birthed. I want to ask people, what is your role moving forward? How can you be a beacon of hope and light within your community rather than messengers of doom and gloom? Because this time we will definitely move through and we will move through it together as we have in all of our history. This is not going to be forever, but how we move through this and how we practice compassion and kindness for people that have differing opinions and worldviews is very, very important. You know, nobody else, just because they have a different viewpoint, is the enemy. That is a, that is an old system based on fear and that needs to go and we need to remove that from our own selves before we see that in the world. Mm. I think the big thing that I've been noticing is you know, can we let go of the judgment? Can we be more kind? Mm, absolutely. There's a lot of judgment and division and, you know, I don't even want to focus on the division anymore. I want to see us more united and, and be more compassionate with one another's yes. different opinions. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, darling. And, you know, I always say to people, everyone's trying their best. And if we could mm. see through the eyes of somebody else we would have so much more compassion you know these social media posts where this person isn't awake or this person is asleep you know it comes uh it just shows so much arrogance for me and yeah. entitlement and I'm really I I totally agree with you that's not where what we're about we just continue to walk our path lead by example um get a lot of fresh air and sunshine stay healthy be well be, you know, exactly what um, the Dalai Lama expressed. Be the change you want to see in the world. I think that was him, no? Be yes. the change <laughs> you want to see in the world. That never before has that been a truth. So what is that What is that change that you want to see? Do you want to keep focusing on the doom or gloom, which, which you know, we are all a part of this particular uh, transition that we're going through, and in a way, I'm I'm really glad that the entire world is going through this because we are all going to get through this together. And I have faith in humanity. I also have faith in truth and justice and and love. And with those qualities, I know that we are going to see a very new Earth once we move through this. And um, I am holding that vision very, very strongly. Thank you so much, Beata, for taking this time to speak with me on One Space Love. It's been such a pleasure catching up with you today with your wisdom. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I so appreciate it. I so appreciate it. Thank you, darling. Sending so much love to everybody from my heart to yours. I can't wait to visit Australia again when uh, the borders are more open and, you know, that, that time will come. Big warm embrace till then. Yes, I'm feeling it. 